Education of our children doesn't begin and end at academia. There is a spiritual responsibility on each parent and teacher to nurture and train a young soul spiritually. This is called Chinuch. Join Rabbi G every Monday at 2 p.m. as he explores education and Chinuch for parents and teachers. Torah isn't education, it's transformation. We are back every Monday, 23, where we discuss education, how to make the world a better place, how to make us better people, how to influence our communities, our families, our friends, the country, life, what we need to do in order to make this world the place we all want to be in, the place we want to live in, and the place that will be the ideal world. So today we're going to go very local. And in studio today, or joining me today, is Sherry Hansen, who is in charge of quite a few programs in um, Hatsala regarding um, helping younger people, helping older people, helping people that are under stress, all the challenges people are having mainly through COVID, um, but not that's where it started maybe, and that it moved forward a lot. We're going to be discussing that. Sherry is a social worker. Um, well-known in the community for her work here. And one of the main reasons I wanted to speak to is because I had a very interesting question that was bothering me personally. And this was the question that I've challenged, and I think she's the right person to answer. In the past few months, as a community, as a country, as a nation, as a world, we've been going through major stress through a pandemic. And Many times in the community when there are problems, there are people who try to bring solutions. And where there's stress, there's people that care and people that come forward. I hope most of our listeners don't know. But if you do know, there was quite a few events in the last couple of weeks, months in the community that were, I'd say, disturbing to a certain degree and needed a solution and needed somebody that would be care caring enough and interested in helping and wanting to look after the youth, after people in need. And usually when that happens, I get quite a few phone calls from quite a few people offering services, offering help, offering interested in doing projects. And the one thing that came up consistently is the age of the people that have been calling. And I've been getting amazing ideas and hearing amazing concepts of educational programs and rehab programs and uh, helping people with abuse. And all these things were coming for people, I'd say, way under 30. And probably majority of them were under the age of 25 who were calling and putting amazing initiatives. They just, the connection, they needed the work, they needed to know how to do it. However, I don't remember, um, and maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear. And if you, I am wrong, please send in 34519 is SMS line. Um, I don't remember that so many projects and so many initiatives in the community were run by young people. And when I started looking into it, one of the first people I would check with would be Sherry, because she's involved in the project. And then I heard that one of the big projects she's running is actually completely run by young people and completely motivated by young, um, okay, we'll hear from her, students or a bit older than that, the 
at the age we do expect them to kind of invest in themselves. And they are a very high motivated group here in the community to help other people in need. And I just think we need to have a discussion about that and see what is available and what we can do. So after this long introduction, good afternoon, Sherry. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Rabbi. Okay. So there's quite a few projects that you're running, but let's start with the first one. Um, and that's all with the one I started with. The, I'd say youth for youth. I guess youth that are a bit over youth for just there. Tell us right. about it. So, so the project you're referring to is called Patsola Connect. And, um, in short, it is a, a helpline for teenagers that we, we have initiated via text because that seems to be their main mode of communication. We've used Telegram as the platform because it's the safest platform um, in social media for us to use and um, which protects the children from being exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to. And basically they can text in um, to this to the spot and have one of the very skilled counselors that have been working really hard under lockdown, training in basic counseling skills and emergency assessment, um, who will be available to to chat online with them and assist them with their problems. It's really a touch point for teenagers. Okay, there's, there's a lot going on, a lot of information okay, that sorry. you're giving. Like I don't that. know if everybody is, is up to it, and we do need to take a short ad okay. break before we continue. So we're just going to take a short ad break, and when we come back, we'll go more into the program and into the option. 101.9, Chai FM, Chai a short break, and we will be right back. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. Very important that even at the break, I told we, we were discussing kind of that um, the different helplines work together and refer, and you've been in touch with the Python helpline, which is amazing. So right before the break, we were talking about the teenage problem. So first, let's get the facts in order. You said there's a Telegram line that's completely anonymous. So it's okay. completely anonymous. The line, the numbers are scrambled, so the kids just downline, download Telegram on their phone. Save the Hatsola number and they will, um, and then they can get chatting. And, um, once they do that, we've developed the app so that even though these are trained counselors and not professionals, we've got a team of, of experts who are professionals in this field who are on tap and who are watch, watching these chats as they unfold so that everything is completely supervised and professional. Um, nothing is left sort of just, you know, unattended to. And this is a touch point for teenagers to reach out for help. It's a, how did this idea come about? Because we're very uh, aware of helplines around the world. I don't know how many helplines, if there even is, uh, around the world that are just written text, telegram. Where did that come from? So there's a really successful, there are two really successful um, text lines, one one in Australia and one in America. Um, they address teenagers specifically, which is where this idea came from. And Baruch Hashem, we really have a very well-resourced community. Um, and Hatsola have a very holistic views. So they see problems not just from the medical perspective, but from the psychological and emotional perspective as well. And we really believe in collaboration with other organizations in our community. And the, the one group that has not really been addressed is the teenage group. So we have wonderful services for, for the elderly, for the adults, for the younger kids. But the teenagers who, who really do need someone to speak to don't have that outlet. And this is when we was, what we were seeing from our work is that they're, they're a demographic that really need to be addressed. Okay. And the concept of, of bringing younger people to work with them, is that because they were a big value and interested or 
there's another value that you find with younger people, younger, working with younger people? So there are a number of benefits to having younger people. And I, again, emphasize that these are younger people who have been trained and they are still being supervised. Uh, it's ongoing training and they're, they're extremely qualified. And I know some of them right. come with a lot of years of monies and a lot of your right. professions and so students. So they've had, and they've had contact and they've been working in this, in this area, in this space, um, already, but they, they have been skilled and they're also being supervised and, you know, ongoing training. But there are a number of benefits to using younger people. Firstly, they are much more, um, in touch with and aware of the issues that, that teenagers face because they themselves have, have recently gone through these things. They also, as Madrichim, a lot of them have been Madrichim. Um, they more aware, they have a relationship with their honeys and they're aware of what kind of issues occur in this age group. I think for adults, even professional adults, it's very hard to understand the different nuances that teenagers today face with social media and all the other things that they are exposed to that we were not. And um, it really gives them that, uh, that, that cutting edge in terms of connecting um, nicely with kids. The other major advantage to using this age group is that particularly at this time under Corona, a lot of people were, were de-rolled and people that were very involved in certain things and in community, in community work suddenly couldn't do that because of Corona. So this has given them really, these are inspired, amazing young people who have joined this team. They were really like handpicked and they are of high, high quality. And it's amazing to see their dedication and devotion to giving to the community. These are our future community leaders and they're really of an amazing quality. It's, it's fascinating that they're even managing um, with this concept, which I wanted to ask you about, you know, uh, uh, from being at, in the field, I mean, uh, We've worked together. We know how it is. Many times when we're talking to someone, we use a lot of facial expression, vibes, understanding. They're doing it just by text. How, how does that come across? How do they manage it? So I think it has been a very interesting concept for everybody to grasp. Um, text uh, is the is the mode of communication, as I said before, for teenagers. So this is not a foreign space for them as much as it is for me. And um, we did spend a lot of time in the training talking about active listening through text and being able to pick up on certain things when you haven't got someone sitting in front of you, which has been, I think, a challenge for everybody. Even, you know, using Zoom where there is a visual brings its challenge, right. takes away there are a lot of things that we've lost having that face-to-face contact, and we've seen that with the teaching. As, as amazing as teachers have been, it's been difficult not having kids in the classroom and picking up those dynamics that one has with interpersonal contact. Right. So you would say that there's actually um, specific training of how to do the same work but through text. Yes, yeah, so there is specific training. The, the upside to using text as opposed to having someone phone in or actually come in for an appointment is it's far less scary. So we know on the downside that teenagers often shoot their mouths off over text or their fingers over text um, <laughs> without thinking that it is because there isn't that um, that person face-to-face contact that people have less inhibition and they're able to reach out and and ask for help in a way that's much more accessible and easy for them to do. Would you recommend parents that are going through some issues with their teenage kids to also try and engage, or this is devoted specifically only for teenagers? So so this is a specifically teenage um, program, teenage-aimed program. But what I can recommend for parents, and I can't stress this enough, is that open communication with your children, that Bad behavior in teenage, in the teenage stage of development is about a way of communication. So the same way two-year-olds tantrum, teenagers have their own 
way of tantruming in order to get a message across, and it's not just bad behavior. I thought they're perfect. <laughs> of course they are. My kids are. Because <laughs> listen, no, okay. Um, so, so that is may- maybe after the break we will go into a bit of, of examples of what we're getting, and then also f- on the other side for parents to identify um, this kind of behavior to start doing. Because a lot of the things we're doing on the show is kind of seeing um, now that as parents we don't have so much the support of schools, we don't have so much the support of um, out resources because we're, kids are learning at home and we're doing limited stuff outside, then we have much more power and much more uh, responsibility, I'd say. So maybe we'll go through some of the examples and kind of see how we identify and what we can do with it. Um, so yeah, I just, anybody who's joining now, I'm in a discussion with Shari Hansen, who's in charge of a, a few projects at Hatzala, but the, the one specifically we started with was the teenage um, telegram line, the text line. Anything you want to add or ask or mention or comment, if you were part of this, if you even if you messaged and you have a comment to say, Sherry's here to listen. Uh, 34519 is the SMS line. Anything you want to send in. Or you could telegram us. I guess you got to have telegram today. 0618951019. That's our telegram. 0618951019 worth a message. Uh, SMS line 34519. A short break and we will be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9 Chai FM Chaichin Rebeji. We are back in the middle of a discussion, now we can say middle already, with Shari Hansen, a social worker who is in charge of quite a few projects here um, in Joburg, here in town, uh, through Hatzala. Um, and projects that have relevance to her job as a social worker. And we're actually in the middle of a discussion of the teenage hotline, which is more like a text line on Telegram, which is completely anonymous, a very interesting concept. And obviously anything you want to add, you want to ask, you want to comment, 34519 is a SMS line, or Telegram, 061-895-1019. Before we continue, another important announcement. Do you, did you know that 34% of deaths had, that occur in car accidents are because the victims never fastened their seatbelt? Also, not having a seatbelt on, on can cause dear intentional injuries. Don't become another statistic. Buckle up every time you get in the car and make sure those who are traveling with you are buckled up too. It's not just around the corner. It's your life. The public service announcement was brought to you by Hatsala Medical Resource. Okay, so Hatsala is, as you said before, Sherry, that Hatsala has a very holistic view, and we're talking about the wellness, and we're talking about the car accidents, which is very valuable, especially now that we're going on long journeys and trips, but also around the corner, as was said. Okay, so before the break, we were talking more about how the program works, how people can contact uh, obviously, we'll give the number soon as well. Um, I'm wondering if you could share with us maybe a certain call example, obviously completely anonymous and will change. And if it's a, I would say if it's a boy, we'll say a girl the other way around, but we don't even know that because everything is completely anonymous. Um, but give us an example. I think, Rabbi, the, the calls have ranged from issues around friendships and bullying, which seems to be a very common theme. Um, to, to more serious calls around physical abuse and 
and those kind of issues. And obviously we, we do work with, with the Khev hand in hand when those kind of issues come up and have a good relationship with them um, and, the, and the wonderful work that they do. So um, those are the kind of the things that would happen, and our counsellors are trained to to listen, to hold people's feelings, to reflect for them what they're going through, to try and formulate in their head. Sometimes when issues go round and round in our own head, we lose the sense of what's rational and what's not. And when you're bouncing that off with someone else, um, then it really helps to get a clear picture of what you're going through. And God forbid, um, for those people who are feeling suicidal, um, that the line would be available for them um, as a touch point to be thinking about things, to be looking at different options, and to be referred to resources when necessary. Okay. So if we take an example, anyway, let's start with the easier ones. Not that they're easier, but you're saying more common. Is there something you would tell parents today, this is what you could look out in order to identify your child's going through some bullying, or... No, you can't, but just give them the strength to call. Or What can parents do to be more in touch and aware? So I think with, with any issue, be it bullying or any other, that, that is a starting point. Parents need to know their own children. So for me to give signs and symptoms, they, they don't. it's not a one-size-fits-all. You need to know when things are looking different with your particular child. If your child is a very quiet child and all of a sudden they're rageful and they're angry, and again, then you would take that in context because teenagers are filled with hormones and are, are going from one mood to another in a very quick pace. Um, but if you can have that kind of communication with children that you would pick up the subtleties of when they haven't had a good day and when you do need to step in and, and be a, a sounding board and not a, not a lawnmower to smooth out the path, but a sounding board to enable them to develop, to, to develop some of their own skills in problem management and how to reach out for help. And many times I hear from parents that they're just scared to do that and just nervous. Like, how do I even talk to my child? My child doesn't want, if I just walk into the room, they'll, they'll have my head. So how would we deal with that fear? And do the, and when a teenager is shouting at you, leave me alone. I don't want to ever speak to you for the rest of my life. Is that what they're feeling or they actually would want the parent to kind of step in and closer? Well, sometimes that is what they're feeling and we need to allow for an appropriate space for people, teenagers and kids to be angry in a way that is socially acceptable. And if we squash feelings down and don't allow any feelings, then that becomes a problem because it pops up somewhere else. So our jobs as adults are to help connect the dots for children, to help them understand why they're feeling particular things. And sometimes all they need is to hear it and to be left alone after that. Okay. So don't be worried. I mean, if they do need the space, give them the space, but don't be scared to hear them and connect and even disagree sometimes. Absolutely. The, the teenager's job is to individuate from their parent, and that's an enormously painful process for both the teenager and the children. But if we allow for that individuation, for them to become their own separate adults and, and develop their sense of self, they usually come back to what resonates for them. And I think that's the fear that you're speaking about that parents have, that if they bring certain topics up like drugs or alcohol or, or sexual activity, that children may engage in that instead of having some kind of concept of what, what a boundary is. You know, If we would look into from the information we do have, what are the big risks out there that we're telling parents? you got to look after, you got to check, you got to know what's going on. Be aware. Well, I think what we need to look at is firstly, obviously, the mental health issues. So has your, is your child 
experiencing the normal depressed depression that teenagers sometimes go through, mood swings, or is there a problem, a mental health problem that needs to be addressed by a doctor, by a, a psychologist, a social worker? Is there something that we're not that we're missing on the mental health front? Um, obviously, drugs and alcohol are things that children of that age do engage in, and we have to provide them with. Um, an adult that they can speak to when they're in trouble. Children need to know that they can go to someone when they've done something that's not socially acceptable, that's high risk. Um, often what gets children into more trouble is that they don't have an adult that they can go back to and say, I've done this, now what? Um, we need to open those channels of communication. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be punishing our children or giving them consequences when they do something that is out of hand. But they do. we need to walk that tightrope. <laughs> okay. So, so, so we do need to deal with it in a way that's safe and comfortable right. for them, and and that we right. can. You know, that's a very big topic for me, and and I've experienced not long ago. I'm not going to go into details of a certain a certain completely unacceptable behavior happening, and some again youngsters got together and said, "Okay, we need to do something about this, and let's formalize it and make a plan." And, you know, it's very hard to formalize something wrong. But they were doing that in a way that the way I was doing is actually preventing a much worse situation and getting uh, disturbing um, situations in control. And there was a very strong vibe in the community from the older people, I'd say, but from all of us, maybe parents and scared. No, we can't give this. We can't allow this. must stop as if, if we ignore the problem, it will go away. And where would you put, and I'm, and I'm trying to be as clear as I can without giving details, but where would we put the line between stopping bad behavior and between making the bad behavior um, more safe, more contained, not as dangerous, more in control, and, and not as bad? So I think that that is about giving teenagers an alternative safe outlet. That if we think about the environment our teenagers are living in, there are safety issues in in our in the country that we live in. Um, there are various other issues, and depending on on where you come from, there are things that you don't want your children exposed to that you do want your children exposed to. So they're quite limited in terms of the outlet. And then we have had COVID this year, so the first natural outlet that we that. think about <laughs> is sport, which has been taken away from a lot of children, and that uh, you know that's been enormously problematic because they have sat in front of social media, which we've had to allow to a large extent. Um, gaming and all sorts of things that, that aren't so good for their underdeveloped frontal lobe. Um, children, teenagers' right. brains only mature when they're 23. So there's a lot of, of, of damage that can be done in that time if we're not giving them a safe alternative. Well, what can we do to be bright? I even had a discussion I'll share with you last week on the show. Um, although I believe you listen, but anyways, last week we spoke with the, with the, I had some physios on the show. And, and one of the things that we spoke about was, Things that used to be very natural for kids, um, we actually need to teach them. We need to teach them how to climb, how to run, how to move, and how to get around. And what can we do as a community? Because we won't let our kids go outside to play or um, get far from our sight, and we won't let them. I mean, now we're blessed with swimming pools, kind of, I don't know, specifically today, but generally, do we have alternatives in the community? So I think there are a lot of people in the community who are currently working on this, and, and hopefully next year we're going to be coming up with some really fabulous solutions. 
Um, but there are things that kids can do. There's, there are boxing gyms that they can go to. They can go for a run if they go with their dad or their mom or an older sibling. You know, um, one of the things that's really important is modeling. And we can't sit at home as parents and say, be kind if we're not being kind to others or exercise if we don't practice that ourselves or daven if we don't think it's important. So we have to think about what we want our children to grow up as adults and model that. And, and then find that, that, I guess, way to manage it. And because, as I said, it is kind of lacking. But mm-hmm. okay, one day we'll speak about the great things coming up, which I'm excited to hear about. Um, the other thing that comes up a lot, and I'm wondering if it's coming out on the, the, the hotlines that you are running. And this is the amount of anxiety of kids that we're seeing here. And as my listeners know, I do come from a country that is full of terrorism. And, and people are dying. I worked in a certain area in Israel, um, through so, with social services that the terrorist attacks were so bad that they, they, for a certain time, the schools changed, all the schools changed. Instead of writing on the end of exams, um, parents signature, they changed it to parent signature. That's how bad it was. And I still didn't see the amount of anxiety that I'm seeing. Certainly. Part of it, I believe, and I'll tell you what you think, is because our kids are always around adults. They never have time to be kids. They always, there's always an adult supervising. They're always sitting around the table hearing about crime and corruption and all these great things. And there's never normal nonsense of kids. Is that something we're seeing that's coming up in our teenagers, something we need to address? I think there are two things in our community that we're really needing to address. The first thing is that we've put a lot of pressure on our kids to be achievers. Um, the focus is on being um, number one and not on being kind or being nice. Um, you know, and I think I understand why that, that there is that pressure, that schools, there's a lot of competition. We need to make sure our children can get in, into university, into the right degrees and, um, because of that pressure, we're having, to, we're having to buy into the pressure that children are seeing. But what we are seeing in the general population is that there are a whole lot more kids on medication for anxiety. There are a whole lot more children who are from the age of 10 to 14 in the, in the suicidal category. And this is something that I would term as abnormal. I think this is something that we as a community need to rethink and relook at. Um, the other issue is around anxiety is that anxiety's um, best friend is uncertainty. That's what feeds anxiety. And we have loads of uncertainty at the moment, um, particularly because of COVID. I think a lot of people are under financial pressure, which brings uncertainty for them. Um, there's there's a lot of talk around immigration. We've had a lot of waves of immigration. Which I was going to say, um, I think every every time we get around, there's a discussion about how long can we stay in South Africa? How long are we going to be here as a community? And that's definitely a huge factor. And I think our focus as parents and adults is getting children to be mindful and in the now because what we do have is an amazing community with amazing resources. We have a, a Jewish board of deputies that have their eye in every corner for, for the Jewish community. And we have wonderful shuls and um, schools and health services and everything. We have catered for everything and Masala and, 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 <laughs> yeah, and, and the Feb and all these these wonderful organizations. So I think that we are what we're needing to help our children focus on is what we do have. And the key is to build their resilience in terms of we can survive even if it doesn't work out the way we imagine it's going to. 
Um, so we don't have to say we, it's all going to be okay because we don't know if it is or if it isn't, but we are going to be okay oh, we'll no be matter okay. what. Yeah. Okay, we can manage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, uh, we, we are starting to run out of time with the show. Let's talk about, about the other program you're in charge, the program that we're, that is more, I think with a, it's a hotline started. Um, tell us about that, what's going on, what's happening. So um, I think you're referring to the crisis response unit. Um, okay. I'm, I'm first talking about the, the COVID line. The COVID line. line. Okay. So yeah. the COVID line, um, the, the wellness program, which was not started by me at all, it was started by, by Oriel Rosen and his wonderful team. Um, and they really have been an amazing team and a huge pillar for the community through, through COVID. Um, what they have done is they, they've developed an algorithm that helps monitor people's health through, through the pandemic, through, through the illness. So if you present with a, a symptoms or a positive result, have solid deliver an oximeter and a thermometer, and there is a volunteer that will phone you according to your need, however many times a day, a week, whatever you're needing, to make sure that your, your readings are correct. And what we realized is that there's a huge emotional component that is going with this. Right. And that the emotional, the psychological stress of having COVID is enormous and obviously impacts on your physical symptoms. And so our, our um, crisis line was developed to pick up those pieces that, were, that we were finding from the And that's amazing, that balance, because, yeah, as you said, what we all put together was an amazing thing mm-hmm. and amazing numbers of recovery and, and actually feel no from a lot of people. They felt confident during COVID knowing they have the back of Atzala. Um, and then the hotline that we were referring to is people were calling in with their own personal stress. Mm-hmm. Are, are people comfortable to talk about what they're going through? I think people have been very comfortable to talk about it because they have, it's almost like a pressure cooker that it's been building and building and it's almost got a pop if, you know, if they don't speak to someone. So it's been very much, um, we haven't had calls where people are struggling to get out what is worrying them. The calls have more been around, um, how am I going to cope with this? Loads of financial stress, lots of, um, how do I cope under lockdown? You know, for some people who have wonderful families, it's been a great time to, to stay at home with each other and to be together. But for people with more complicated, um, everything's an extreme. Everything's an extreme and you locked down with this compli- complicated situation. There's no outlet. There's no going to work and getting away from an abusive situation. There's no going to school. There's no consistent. Um, it's just this, this, difficult situation that is highlighted and, and um, persistent through lockdown. So I think people have used the land for that, really. And are there things that we can do as a community to look out? Um, one of the things we spoke about on the show before is that the numbers around the world of older people just found dead mm-hmm. in their houses because of lack of awareness were unbelievable and, and extremely large. Is there something you would tell every listener here on the radio, look out for somebody, be aware, even if they don't call the hotline, what can we do as friends, as community, as members? So for sure, um, and Zaka in, in Israel really ran an amazing program on this and check on your neighbor. Right. And we don't have those kind of communities where we all live next to each other and know our neighbors. It's quite different. But we all know someone who's immigrated and has a parent here or we have aunts and uncles who are now choosing to isolate wisely because they're worried about catching COVID. And it's, and really has been a, a balance between preserving one's health and preserving one's mental health by being isolated. And if people do have relatives, friends, friends who have parents here, check in on them for sure. You know, drop a phone call, 
offer to do shopping, whatever whatever you can do to make sure that people have some kind of connection still with the world. It's actually, I have to say, frightening the amount of people that I've come across just by actually speaking to people walking in the street. And you mainly see that on Shabbos. And I would walk up to somebody and say, What's going on? And, and, and I found, came across with quite a few older people in the community that are extremely lonely. And I will say that it never happened to me that I approached somebody and he was like, no, sorry, who are you? And not interested. Never. So there is something about people are seeking that connection. And that's, we need to do that as individuals. I think we really have to do think about the connection and particularly for the elderly community because, um, they lost all their touch points. They couldn't go out. Those who went to shul as their weekly you know, community gathering now yeah, lost that, and that they still have that. lost that. Even though we've opened the shores, they're not eligible to attend. Um, right. So definitely, they have been hit really, really hard by COVID. Yeah, that's extreme. But we do need to take another ad break. When we come back, I want to discuss something very practical with you. Um, yeah, so let's take a short break. One hundred one point nine high FM in the middle of an interesting discussion with Sherry Hansen, a social worker in the community, and Sala. Uh, short break, and we will be right back. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. 101.9, we are back in the middle of a very interesting discussion with Sherry Hansen, who is a social worker here in the community and involved in quite a few of the projects of Tzala, of wellness, um, mental health, and et cetera. Um, if you want to join the conversation, 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the Telegram line. So 34519 SMS or 0618951019. I want to discuss another project that you're part of. Um, and that's the CRU program. Okay. We're not going to talk about the, the, um, what Hatzala does. That's amazing. Um, and just in one sentence, maybe I'll say, that whenever there's a disaster, not only that Hatzala comes and saves lives, there's also a team of professionals who come and make sure everybody's content. Let's talk to somebody who is in a situation on a very practical level. If unfortunately you find yourself in a disaster, you find yourself with someone that's in a disaster. In a practical way, what would we, what would you recommend of what the professionals are doing? that a non-professional could look at and at least not make things worse? I think often what happens when someone experiences a trauma is the first thing that people are doing is, is arranging trauma debriefing. And trauma debriefing is really important, but it's it's there are a lot of things that have, have to happen before that trauma debriefing takes place. Mm, so right. it's not necessarily the priority at the time of trauma, that people are, when they experience a trauma, their defenses are down, they are at risk of being re-traumatized by, by speaking about it immediately. And the main things that need to happen when someone experiences a trauma is to attend to the practical issues that they may have. For example, if there's got a car accident or something and someone's on their way to fetch a child, who's alerting the school that um, this child's going to be waiting for their mum to come and no one's arriving? Um, are there other children at home? Do people need to be fed? Um, so it's really people, if we go to NASA's hierarchy of needs, it's the basic things that we need to attend to. Does someone need a jacket? Does someone need a blanket? Do they need some Coke? What is what? Is, what is it they're needing, their basic needs? 
people are we very psychologized in in um in the community and i think sometimes we need to go back to our basics and think about what people are needing on a practical okay so so that's a very important fact because many times we see something and we don't know how to help um with medical help and we don't know what to do and it, it's and we will, we will try to call a friend who knows a professional that will come and help and contain but you're saying the first thing is when you're in a um trauma seeking situation is start looking in a calm way at the person who's going through the trauma of their needs, what they need in order to get contained, how to control what's happening with them, um, and and just focus on that. So so obviously our our rule of thumb is safety first, and okay. there's no point in putting yourself in harm's way um, in order to help someone else. You make sure that that is seen as secure and that you're phoning. Whoever, whichever resource it is, be it CSO, Hatsola, Cheva Kadisha, whoever is needing to be called, that that happens. And that's, and especially during COVID. That's a major and factor. Absolutely. Especially during COVID that we don't rush in without thinking, um, without protection, without masks and gloves, that we stand back, see what, the, what, what is needed and we, and we call for the appropriate help. Um, mm-hmm. obviously if it is a, a family member, we, we, or a close friend that we already are standing at the scene with, then we'll look at what basic needs need to be attended to. Okay. So the basic needs are, as you said, the physical needs and making sure that everybody's contained, everybody in space, everybody has their safe space. And then kind of how would we approach the scene if we're stuck there? Would you say try to calm the person down, try to tell them, or some of you fall into the trap, no, it's okay, it's fine, don't worry, things will be fine. Uh, false information. How do we deal with that? I think we need to, you know, often when we feel disempowered, we feel like we need to do something. Sometimes just being there for someone is what they need. We don't need to say the right thing. We don't need to be fixing, doing. Exactly. So it's just about being there for someone is really exactly as it is being there for someone. Okay. So basically don't try to fix the situation. Rather be there and if support needed, Mm -hmm. then Try to support on edge of the panic. Um, okay. And then in the long, long term, then refer to professionals, then refer right. to, to, okay. And, and also as people need that not everyone will need trauma debriefing that, you know, people, you need to be respectful about what people want and what people need for themselves that we kind of go in with this one size fits all and you've got yes. to do this, this and this. And it's very, it's a very personal experience and we have to be respectful about that. Yeah. I, I think respect is a very big factor. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we're trying to help someone who's completely not interested. Or we're trying to say, no, we'll do this, we'll do that. But the other person just needs to keep the situation contained and calm. So if we would look at the at, uh, trying to avoid future trauma, you're saying during the trauma, it's okay. Don't deal with that in any way. Let's deal with the making sure the person is safe, the person is contained, the person is getting through what they need. Um, is, there, is there anything that you found that um, a person who does see in um, a car accident, uh, a trauma, something going on, something scary? Um, I, I hear sometimes people say, I don't know, should I stop? Should I not? I don't want to get involved. On the other hand, we want to help. And I know there's COVID and I'm putting COVID aside and we have to be careful and we, and we need to take that responsibility. But where would be, where would you say the boundary would be for someone who's really stuck? And I know you'll say follow your sense, but regardless of that, 
can is there something we could recommend for people that are bystanders to do or not to? I think one has to be careful about a getting in the way of those people who are helping. Um, we really want to help, and as I said, it, it makes us feel enormously disempowered. We want to do something to help, and sometimes the something we have to do is to connect them with the right resources and with the right help. And if we do that right, you change the whole trajectory of the person's recovery. So if you get the right help there, and and I really can't recommend enough for people to have. Get CSO Hatsola's number on their phone so that when they do see an emergency, you don't have to go in and get involved in something that you're not equipped to deal with, that you, you pull over to the side of the road and you phone the appropriate resource. And um, we have wonderful dispatchers who are super skilled at working out what needs to be done. And within minutes, those people will have the real help that they need. Sometimes our intention is to help and we kind of make things worse by not staying in our lane. Right. And even if you are going, I'd say the key would be to just ask if the other person mm-hmm. actually needs your help. Mm-hmm. Those who are so in, in the moment of helping and the person doesn't want us. We just need to make sure that we're not crossing any boundary. Exactly. Okay. We are really getting towards the end of the show. Um, we do need to take one more break and then we'll go through the different things and, and give out the numbers and, and information. 101.9, Chai FM, Chai Reggie, in the middle of a very, very um, interesting discussion with Shari Hansen, who is... Um, the part of uh, a social worker first, but uh, part of the very active in Hatzel organization and the different wellness programs. And we are going through the different options. And, and I'm actually, you know, I, I am close to Hatzel, as you know, and still always getting um, inspired, I'd say, with all the, the amazing work that is really happening. But anyways, we do need to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll start ending off the show. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. 101.9 Hi FM, We are back to the last part of today's show. Um, very, very interesting discussion we've been going ha- having here with Sherry Hansen from Hatsala, social worker, um, very involved in all these amazing different projects of um, health, wellness, wellness, uh, emotional support and health, etc. So just to go through quickly for anybody who's just joining now, the first project we spoke about was the Teenage Hotline, which is um, a Telegram line. So you've got to have Telegram to be part of it. And then when you join, then you will get uh, three options, either to communicate writing with the the um, person on the other side or to speak directly or to get an emergency call that would be forwarded at Salah. What is the line? So the number for the line that should be saved um, before you download Telegram is 0600-124-124. So it's 0600-124-124. That is a Telegram line, and it's completely anonymous. It, yeah, the numbers it, come up scrambled, and um, there is no way of us connecting who's who. Okay, so there's no way of getting there. Um, then there is the regular hotline of Atala, of anything that is... There's the emergency hotline, obviously. Um, okay. The 083 222 That's for med- medical. But, uh, okay, and then there's also the CRU uh, um, hotline, and there's all different hotlines, which we're not going to go through all of them because we went through a program in there a lot. Um, I, let's just end off, as we end off, what is seeing all these apps, and you're working with older people and younger people and teenagers and, and very involved in the mental health of the community. What is your message for the community? 
So I think the message is that a lot of us sit with a whole lot of shame around feelings that other people are also feeling and we don't, we just don't know because we haven't connected. So I really implore parents to, to reach out to their children, to communicate with their children, to develop relationships with their children. We've been so snowed under this year with COVID that I think a lot of the time we haven't had the space to think about what they're going through. Um, and for teenagers to encourage the, their teenagers to, to download this, this app and to connect with people similar, of similar age and to realize that what they're experiencing is not so unbelievable. And I will add about you because I've seen your work and I could say like this many times parents are quite embarrassed and feel empowered by their kids connecting to other platforms to get help instead of to them. And I could honestly say that it's all do work with major respect to parents. Um, we are parents. We know what it's like. You know, um, and and I don't think any parent needs to feel ashamed or stressed or uncomfortable with the fact that their child is um, seeking that help and information. And there's definitely, as I said, loads of respect on your side that I'm willing to testify for towards parents, families, backgrounds, and making sure it's done with keeping dignity and in the right professional way. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, we gotta do, we gotta wrap up as Craig says. And Craig is always running the show properly and you're right. We're going to wrap up. Thank you, Craig, for all the amazing work. Uh, thank you, Sherry, for being here today. Um, really remarkable the work you're doing for the community. It's really amazing. And as well as your private practice, we haven't spoken about, but, um, yeah, let's hope that the hard days are behind us and we're going to a better future with vaccines and who knows what. Um, yeah, thank you. Have, thank you so much. And, um, I know Hatzel is having a big day today as well. So I guess, uh, and always we're looking for a great way. Thank so, you so much. another great show has come to an end. 101.9 Chai FM Chai of Surabaji. We will be back, please God, next week, Monday, two to three. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and do something good for someone. Uh, you could learn from Sherry and from all of us. Have a good week, safe week, and we will see you next week, Monday, 2 to 3, Chai FM, Chai Chinook, Rabbi